Ladies and gentlemen, colleagues, friends, audience, hello to everyone. I'm happy that despite all the challenges we are meeting in January and presenting the yearbook of Latvia's foreign and security policy, even though it's a virtual meeting this year. January is a very suitable time in order to evaluate the previous year and to outline the new year. In January, the Minister of Foreign Affairs presents his report and the foreign policy debate takes place in the Saima. The year 2020 has reminded us that each year is unique and it means that also we need to recalibrate our diplomacy in the international area. Poetically, we could say that each year is simultaneously a continuation of the previous year and the new beginning. In 2021, we celebrate 100 years since our international recognition, and it is also a reminder that um, our statehood and our development track is influenced by the national and international development. In the international area, we are witnessing transformation during the latest period of time. There are wide discussions about uh, the presidency of Joe Biden, about the Navalny case and more other issues. And uh, we realize that behind those personalities, there are more fundamental issues that influence us. At the same time, we need to remember that foreign policy starts at home. Only a strong, consolidated, economically functioning state can be self-confident and competitive internationally. And therefore, our homeworks never end. Also, regarding uh, the issues that we are going to discuss today, namely the implementation of foreign and security policy, one of the home tasks that we find very important is also raising public awareness and uh, mutual trust between policymakers and the society. And this is definitely one of the aims of the yearbook. The yearbook is available in Latvian in order to reach our society and also in English in order to engage simultaneously in a wider discussion. And it is also a common task. And therefore, once again, in the beginning of this discussion, I would like to thank our partners, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, that has been a long-standing uh, cooperation partner. Of course, we have not always seen eye to eye, but I think our um, discussions have always been very fruitful and valuable. Thanks a lot also to the Parliament, especially the um, EU Affairs Committee and the um, Foreign Affairs Committee of the SAIM, and also to our external partners, in this case the Friedrich Ebert Foundation, uh, who have uh, been a long-standing partner and supporter in, in various um, projects. Thank you to the authors, thank you to each and every one of you who has uh, provided um, constructive advice and criticism, both uh, regarding today's presentation of the yearbook and um, other activities, because without the viewer, without the audience, uh, the basic value, the basic contribution uh, would not be reached. I'm very happy and very honored to have uh, the Minister of Foreign Affairs with us today, Mr. Edgar Srinkevich. He has been our trustworthy partner and ally for many years, and uh, I would like to give the floor to Mr. Minister so that he could outline the guidelines that will be definitely widely discussed next year in the SIMA during the foreign policy debate. Mr. Minister, I hope you will reveal some secrets about this uh, today 
what to expect from these debates and I hope you will also outline more precisely as to what we can expect from 2021 in terms of foreign policy challenges. The floor goes to you. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mr. Sprout. Dear friends, on the screen that I can see, I see quite a few familiar faces, Mr. Coles, Mr. Ambassador Liedis. I'm very happy to be with you remotely this time in this regular traditional annual event, the presentation of uh, Yearbook 2021 of uh, Foreign and Security Policy. I believe this is uh, an interesting and unique event. Although, if we go back in time, if we look back, then most probably we could hear ourselves saying that uh, 2015 was unique, 2017 was unique, 2018 was unique, for many different reasons say, um, unprecedentedly after the Second World War, we could see in 2014 the unlawful occupation of Crimea, the events in the Middle East, then uh, in 2016 the Brexit referendum that nobody expected but that happened. And every time looking back at the previous year, we tend to think so good that this year has passed and so good that now we have a new year it will be different maybe it will be better maybe it will be more complicated but uh, it will be different by all means and i think uh, we have started the, the year 2021 with similar thoughts looking back at last year i would like to say that in my opinion it has been if we like it or not but to some extent, it has been uh, an empty year for active diplomacy, both for technical reasons and uh, content-wise as well. Due to technical reasons, of course, since March we have uh, been mainly working remotely. There have been very few meetings and uh, it has shown that for significant issues, remote solutions are not possible, even though some people might think that finally we can uh, save a lot of money and solve all issues digitally. Practice has shown that it is not possible. Secondly, of course, this was also the election year in the United States of America. We were all expecting results. And of course, during an election year, there are less uh, foreign initiatives and foreign ideas. But with new energy, I can say that the year 2020 has also been uh, successful in many ways. Uh, on the EU level, we have uh, reached an agreement on uh, the uh, multi-annual financial framework and the recovery and reconstruction package and also to show that even though Great Britain has left, uh, the EU is still strong. After 
some hesitation we have proven that uh, we can coordinate things and, uh, and and of course we need more coordination uh, in uh, on many issues like vaccinate and distribution of vaccines or travel the conference on EU future will discuss those issues. We have discussed a lot uh, at the EU level how to uh, develop the relations between the EU and Russia and China about strategic autonomy of the U European Union. If we asked people in Latvia or in any other member state about strategic uh, autonomy, you would get a unique answer. For some people, it is an almost military autonomy. For some other people, it is more an autonomy in terms of uh, industrial issues, like soft security. And it shows that uh, there is a common understanding that Europe needs to take on more responsibility, not only in terms of economy and uh, social issues, but also in foreign security and defense policy. However, there is still a long way to go, and I hope that this year, along with the Conference on the Future of EU and discussions in the Foreign Affairs Council, upcoming elections in Germany and France, these discussions will evolve, and we are going to see interesting turns. And therefore, it is very crucial, and here I really hope to um, close cooperation with the Latvian Institute of International Affairs, that our strategic and analytical community, be it academic, political, or journalistic um, community, to single out where do we see ourselves, where do we see our role in this discussion, and uh, how do we see the ideas as to what a stronger Europe should be like. To some extent, I would like to say that uh, we have uh, started this year with different starting points. For those who have followed the elections uh, in the United States and were hoping for the victory, one candidate are uh, satisfied. Those who were uh, following the elections and were hoping uh, to the for the victory of the other candidate, uh, they are not satisfied that that's how democracy works. But I think that the Biden administration uh, is going to have a very difficult task. First of all, to solve those internal political problems that we have uh, witnessed during the last period of time in America, and it will definitely take a lot of attention from the president and from his associates. On the other hand, there are many very important issues that uh, need to be solved internationally. Maybe now it is too early to say how this or that foreign policy vector is going to evolve in the U.S. administration, but I would like to stress that in Latvia we are very much interested in a very close relationship between the United States and the European Union. We are going to do our utmost in order to ensure that um, the EU and the U.S. cooperate more closely, primarily, of course, the, the um, most important issue is uh, uh, to make sure that uh, 
the EU and the United States see things uh, similarly with regard to China, secondly with regard to Russia, and thirdly the uh, strengthening of principles and, and rights of international organizations is very important and here I would like to mention the Paris Climate Agreement, the World Health Organization. Of course, for us, uh, the U.S. presence is very important here in this region, militarily, uh, in terms of economy. And uh, in this respect, I would like to see the Two Seas Initiative to continue, which is a very successful project uh, in terms of uh, energy, digital issues, uh, transport. Of course, I would like the NATO allies and not to relax and uh, to continue allocating 2% of the GDP uh, to the defense budget or even uh, supersede the ceiling. Latvia will allocate 2.3% from the GDP this year. And in terms of NATO, I would like to see this year, and I hope uh, the NATO foreign affairs ministers will have a discussion on this in Riga, I would like to see this year devoted to the uh, elaboration of the new strategic conception. Last year was a very difficult in our neighborhood uh, due to the issues in Belarus and the Baltic states have demonstrated strong leadership. We see that Lukashenko still holds power. Sometimes we hear people saying that what can small countries do in big politics, but I think we have shown a very good example of what a small EU and NATO member state can do. The Baltic states achieved a very wide package of sanctions against associates of the Lukashenko regime. We have started to implement targeted economic sanctions and as you all know the World Ice Hockey Championship will definitely not take place in Minsk. This has been reached within a few months due to very good cooperation uh, and had we not worked together actively with uh, our partners from Estonia, Lithuania and Poland, partners uh, from states that think alike, then I think we would not have reached this. However, this year we should not relax because we see that uh, the situation in, in Belarus is ongoing and still evolving to a great extent due to the support of Russia and we will need to continue to be active working on this issue and raising this issue in all international organizations starting from the EU to the UN, uh, OCE and uh, besides I'm going to participate tonight in the discussion in the UN Security Council on Human Rights Situation in Belarus so we are going to be visible, audible and provide practical help. Then uh, Second neighbor, Russia, has um, unfortunately demonstrated only a backslide to um, 60 to 80 years back in terms of uh, historic discourse and regarding uh, the situation of political prisoners in, in Russia, the detention of Alexei Navalny upon his return to Russia, not even to mention his attempted poisoning, and this all shows that uh, we should have no illusions um, re regarding this country and therefore the EU and together with the United States should have a very strong position uh, towards Russia. Be it the human rights situation, pressure from international organizations for human rights issues or stopping the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. 
talking about the tasks for the next for this year and on purpose I will not uh, mention what I will say in my speech I can say only two things first of all hopefully during this year we will exit uh, the restrictions caused by the pandemic and it poses uh, new responsibilities both to, uh, for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and also colleagues in other ministries to renew as quickly as possible our economic competitiveness. The embassies are ready to assist our business people as soon as it will be possible. Secondly, last year has uh, shown the best that uh, our foreign service could provide in a moment of crisis by supporting our nationals organizing repatriation and I would like to express my gratitude to all colleagues from the ministry for uh, taking part in this biggest organized uh, national operation of uh, repatriation and this is the de jure centenary practically we are four days from uh, January 26 so in a way, we are entering the second centenary of uh, Latvian diplomacy. We are entering it as a small but strong service who knows its tasks very well, who is able to mobilize and to, to work effectively in a format of allies, allied countries. And I hope we are going to have an opportunity to demonstrate ourselves as a very active uh, creative and strong European country, both on the regional level and also by working towards different targets. And uh, by this I would like to stop my introductory speech. Thank you once again to all who have uh, contributed to this yearbook and thank you for the, uh, to the uh, Latvian Institute of International Affairs for Good Cooperation. Thank you to the authors. I always try to go through the yearbook. Sometimes I uh, borrow ideas from it. I especially like using those ideas when answering to parliamentarians. I see Mr. Coles here and I think uh, he does the same. He definitely goes through the yearbook in order to find ideas for his speeches. Thanks a lot, and I wish you successful discussions. Many thanks to the Minister of Foreign Affairs for this uh, interesting, uh, valuable, comprehensive and many-sided outline of what we could expect in the speech and this year. There were very many interesting aspects, and I really hope that the virtual yearbook is going to be read and some new ideas will come up. From the speech of the minister, we can uh, find our own accents um, in terms of uh, development tendencies. From my side, I would like to mention that uh, he said that each year is unique and this year will be even more unique and we have to take into consideration both our opportunities and challenges. And we could certainly wish um, for this interaction to be more active so that this year is a more a promotion of uh, 
interaction between people, between businessmen um, and in diplomacy, so that it is not an empty year, so that we could uh, meet and discuss things, talk about the development of Europe, to have a meeting in Riga of NATO ministers, so that ministers could meet and discuss uh, issues that are very important, especially taking into consideration the new administration in the US and also to resume um, uh, business activities and to interact because it all, all has an impact on our welfare. And uh, the minister already outlined the uh, big geopolitical quadrangle that is important for us, meaning the EU, the US, uh, Russia and China. And of course, the relations between them have an impact on us as well. We need to take active part in this discussion on how these geopolitical actors interact with each other, with all other actors, because it has an impact on all of us. Once again, thanks a lot. And in order to implement this, um, it is very important to have an effective uh, foreign service. Thank you very much for the activities in 2020, because there were several front lines, and this was definitely an international front line during the COVID pandemic. We are very grateful for this activity and for the cooperation, both to the Ministry and the whole Foreign Service, and I wish you, you all the best in 2021, and uh, may this year be more unique and more positive. Thank you to Mr. Minister, and now I would like to give the floor to our second important ally and partner and actor for us actor in foreign policy, the chairman of the foreign policy, um, foreign affairs committee of the parliament, Mr. Richard Scholes. Richard, the floor goes to you. Thank you, Andri. Thank you also to the uh, team of the Latvian Institute of International Affairs. It is clear that uh, the previous year has demonstrated the change of uh, habits and uh, it can be seen also very well in the format of today's discussions because uh, it is very much different than uh, during previous years uh, in the opening of the yearbook and also the first foreign uh, affairs debates in the parliament will be held virtually and it is a different context of course in uh, my speech i'm not going into detail about um, what is going to be widely discussed next week in the Parliament on the 28th of January. And I will not try to um, repeat my contribution from the yearbook, because to some extent uh, the uh, audience and all people that are interested in the opinions of the authors of the yearbook should uh, be stimulated to have a better willingness to read. So, dear colleagues, I must say that uh, we will most probably never forget the year 2020. And as Warren Buffett has said, only when the tide is gone can we see who has been swimming naked. And of course, we could paraphrase it. This uh, during a crisis, we can uh, see all our mistakes because they are um, suddenly surfacing. It was a year when I think for the first time, 
the whole world was suffering from something simultaneously and um, mankind was trying to adjust to the new reality. The year 2020 also broke the truth a little bit because it is difficult to survive uh, the competition of uh, fake news and we also witnessed the vulnerability of democratic institutions and not only that. Yes, but um, as people say, you should only say good things or nothing about those who have passed away. The year 2020 has shown what is what. Churchill, I would like to quote Churchill, he said, politics is the ability to foretell what is going to happen tomorrow, next year, and to have the ability afterwards to explain why it didn't happen. And uh, I would like to give an impudent answer by quoting Churchill once again, never waste a good crisis. From everything that has happened last year and what is going on now and what will happen in future, we can draw lessons and hope. And I hope that through this tragedy and immense loss, uh, Europe will come to some kind of renaissance. And uh, even though we have had a feeling that time has stopped and that the only thing that mattered is uh, to stop this pandemic and that other issues had become less important. Despite all of this, uh, we need to do some preparatory work in order to um, go back to some normal reality. And I would also dare to say that our resources are not as tight and therefore we can also address other issues in parallel. This year it will be the uh, renewal of transatlantic relations, it will be the decision uh, what kind of uh, relationship we want to develop with other countries. This year Belarus, Brexit, post-Brexit situation, strategic auto autonomy that the minister already mentioned and multilateralism will be on the agenda. So this year it will be also a metaphorical fight, the internet versus democracy in terms of uh, cyberspace, uh, Twitter. Big techno technological companies have uh, become uh, quasi-governments deciding on what kind of information millions of people should see or should not see. This is more or less clear because it is happening right now. Some of the latest news, um, the giant Google has started a fight with Australia and I think this is a clear bud for very wide uh, problematic issues um, related to information space and cyberspace. But looking for the light at the end of the tunnel, we can say that last year has given us a lot of good lessons, has prepared us for future challenges. Because And uh, crisis makes many people cynical, pessimistic, passive. And I would like to quote another classic, Oscar Wilde, who has said that a cynic is a man who knows uh, the price of everything and the value of nothing. But I still hope that we will not be carried away by cynicism and that uh, our panelists will not be too cynical in their assessments in a moment. And here we come back to principles and uh, pragmatism, to um, readiness to discuss, to learn, and uh, not to give up on our values and important principles. 
as to how we have succeeded. We will discuss this um, next week in the Parliament, in the foreign policy debate. Mr. Minister already outlined, outlined very well that uh, the yearbook, the opening of the yearbook is always a prelude to the foreign policy debate in the Parliament, where we can see what those accents are, what the challenges are. To some extent, it can also serve as a crib sheet. But the one thing is absolutely clear, namely the story of 2021 and our future lies solely in our hands. I wish to the panelists to start going into detail so that we could use successfully this detail in our um, discussions in the parliament in order to give a clear vision not only to the population of Latvia but also to our allies and not only to our allies as to what do we stand for, what will we stand for and uh, what is the place of uh, Latvia in Europe and globally. So once again thank you very much and uh, I understand that uh, the yearbook is available electronically already I invite to share your thoughts and I have left my reflections and analysis uh, to the readers and I wish uh, to promote your willingness to read. Thank you to all authors, to each and every one of you who has contributed to this yearbook and um, have a fruitful discussion. Thanks a lot to Mr. Coles for his very interesting uh, and complimentary vision on our common challenges and developments. Thank you also for uh, coining new words. I understand the, prelude, the uh, presentation of the yearbook is a prelude to foreign policy debates in the Simon. I think these things are intertwined. And it has been done on purpose in order to make sure that January is saturated with discussions and expertise knowledge, expert knowledge that could uh, culminate uh, with a forum of uh, policy makers and um, implementers and to bring more ideas and it is clear especially in the context of centenary that we need those ideas it is very important and very good that um, mr calls also pointed out that of course there are international relations but there are also other tendencies and other aspects uh, coming up that have an impact on us like cybersecurity technologies we could also add climate issues uh, multilateralism we should remember that Latvia has uh, been moving towards the uh, non-permanent member status in the UN Security Council and here wide discussion involvement of different actors um, NGOs think tanks decision makers is um, very important and very valuable at the same time because it um, let us look at ourselves and use these opportunities in order to improve these objectives and also to improve this uh, interaction and therefore um, before i close i would like to add to your invitation to boost willingness to read with the willingness to get involved for all of us in uh, the creation of those different thoughts and interaction that uh, promotes us internationally and that promotes our um, welfare and international security which is uh, our big goal or set of goals thank you very much to mr calls 
for the wonderful cooperation and for the valuable contributions. And of course, I wish you successful intellectually creative virtual debates next week in the Saima. Thank you once again. And I wish you every success. And now we have come to the uh, second stage of this prelude, namely the discussion. We already heard the invitation to be not only cynical, although I think it is valuable too, but also to contribute with recommendations that could complement our um, policy actions. And now I would like to give the floor to the researcher of the Latvian Institute of International Affairs, Mrs. Cynthia Broca, who has been actively involved in the creation of the yearbook. She has addressed authors. Uh, she's also the editor of the yearbook. Cynthia, please, the floor goes to you so that you could uh, present our honorable panelists and to start um, an interesting, successful, dynamic discussion. Cynthia, please. Thank you to Mr. Sprutz. Thank you to Mr. Rinkevich and to Mr. Coles for your valuable um, contributions that will serve as a wonderful starting point for today's discussion. Dear viewers, uh, welcome to the presentation of the yearbook of 2021 of the Latvian uh, Foreign and Security Policy. This is the eighth edition of the yearbook, but the for the first time we are meeting in such a composition. However, I am certain that this will not have an impact on the significance of this discussion. The yearbook has always been looking at several foreign policy vectors by clearly setting the primary vectors and also uh, pointing out to the role of Latvia in the international arena. And this year it has been not no different. We have trusted professional authors, inviting them to assess the uh, foreign policy events in 2020 and to give their recommendations for 2021. The range of themes and also the range of authors in this yearbook is very wide and I would like to invite the audience to visit our homepage in order to download a copy either in English or in Latvian, have a look at it, take part in our discussion and please also send in your uh, questions. And now without further ado I would like to introduce the panelists in alphabetical order. Una Alexandra Berzin-Cherenkova is a wonderful colleague of mine in the um, Institute of International Affairs, where she's the head of Asia program. She's also the head of uh, Riga Stradinch University China Studies Center. Hello, Una. Hello, colleagues. Hello, Cynthia. Imans Liegis. He's senior fellow of the Latvian Institute of International Affairs. He's also a member of the advisory board of the European Leadership Network. But not only that, he has a very broad diplomatic experience. Imans is the former ambassador of Latvia to France, Benelux countries, NATO, Spain, and the EU's political and security committee. He is also a former minister for defense and former minister for justice of Latvia. Imans? Yes, thank you, Cynthia. I'm happy to join you. Wonderful. And I'm very honored to welcome Mrs. Kundereir, who is the advisor to the Minister of Foreign Affairs and the director of the Center for International Studies. Hello, Gunda. Hello, Gunda. Hello, everyone. I'm happy to see you in this format as well. Great. And before we give the floor to our panelists, 
in order to see how the international environment impacts our national interests and foreign policy, I would like to invite all the viewers to take part in this discussion. During the whole discussion, uh, you have an opportunity to send in your questions through the application Slido by entering the code 63142 you will be able to send in uh, the questions to me and I will address them to our experts. But now let's go to the dis discussion. The year 2020 has, has uh, been passed under the sign of COVID internationally and uh, Gunda, please, could you tell us your evaluation uh, of uh, the climate of uh, transatlantic relations last year? Yes, hello once again. Let's put it like this. NATO Secretary General has written a prescription to transatlantic relations uh, last year, very briefly and very precisely, and he said that NATO should continue to be capable in military terms, it should be politically more united, and uh, it should have a more global approach. And here I can see a complement to military capabilities of NATO and also an invitation to continue like this. I also see an invitation to have a wider conceptional scope. As the Minister of Foreign Affairs already said, uh, this is of course the task for next year namely the new strategic concept of NATO and also some thoughts about NATO 2030. But uh, in this recipe, in this uh, prescription, we also see uh, a warning with regard to internal policy climate. It is a warning about what the political divisions could bring. And I think it is um, extremely interesting also from the point of view that uh, usually we are talking about transatlantic uh, relations in terms of institutional capabilities. Uh, we are talking about availability of financing, but here we are speaking about the atmosphere, the internal climate. And I must say, it is interesting, but it is not untypical, because it is a very big subject in the, the military. Those who know me are aware that I like to quote uh, The Art of War by Sun Tzu, when I was studying in, in Berlin, I had an in-depth course on this and I'm really fond of it. I, took, I have taken it with me. In chapter 3, he talks about five essentials for victory in military strategy and believe me or not, one of them says that he will win whose army is animated uh, by the same spirit throughout all its ranks. So here we are talking about this internal unity, solidarity, internal climate, well, let's say the spirit. This is nothing strange in the military. And I believe uh, during the coming year or, or several years, it uh, will be one of the most serious challenges and tasks in uh, transatlantic uh, relationships in terms of security. Of course, it does not exclude discussions and um, exchange of opinions because uh, progress is not possible without um, exchange of opinions and discussions, but it is very important that uh, in the process of uh, designing the new strategic concept, uh, there is uh, a common 
understanding of threats between the partners of the alliance. It is very important uh, for, for Latvia as well, especially if we speak about relations with Russia, financial priorities, operational priorities and uh, policies. Well, there are catalysts or trigger points that um, might uh, hamper this political unity or this internal or transatlantic political unity. There are several main issues like uh, China issue, the Russian issue, also the issue on the EU role in the future of transatlantic relations. But of course, there are more than that. Talking about China, Una will most probably continue this in the discussion, but uh, there is a hypothesis that uh, right now, if we look at the uh, surge of the power of China, then uh, in transatlantic relations, it could rather serve as a mobilizing factor that stimulates political unity, because we know that uh, this understanding of the importance of China is rather similar. And uh, even though we have been speaking uh, about this surge of power for quite a long time, it appeared on the uh, NATO agenda only recently, and we also know this uh, formulation that China is um, a cooperation partner, economic competitor and a systemic rival. But this understanding uh, is common to all transatlantic partners. Still, we should take into consideration this hypothetical situation that um, is being designed in many think tanks, especially in America, that the uh, situation that China as a as an, um, power that is becoming stronger could um, promote some tensions that could hypothetically cause new trade wars. So this is a stress point. Focus and priorities might change in such a case. But at the moment, we, we, we see it rather as a mobilizing factor. In Europe, we see that uh, there are more and more discussions, and it's nothing new again. So discussions between Eurocentrists and transatlanticists. This is also visible in the discussions about the strategic autonomy. The Latvian position is very clear here. For us, it is very important to make sure that these uh, relations are uh, complementary and not overlapping. Of course, there should be no entropy in the system. The EU needs to evolve. And uh, of course, the United States of America will probably be the first to welcome uh, the uh, increase in capabilities of the EU, a stronger EU, but we need to understand that the EU is a partner and, uh, for God's sake, not a counterforce or rival. About Russia, previous speakers already mentioned it, but um, now NATO is present in the Baltics, including in Latvia. I think in the discussion between uh, the so-called Eurocentrists and uh, Atlanticists, the Russian factor appears uh, quite often during the last 
couple of years and I, I would like to come back to this common understanding of uh, threats for Latvia. It is very important to make sure that uh, the understanding of threats by Russia coincides with our understanding so that um, this search for a new type of relations with Russia or uh, God forbid uh, using concepts like restart of uh, relations uh, do not pose uh, any threat to our security. Generally, I would like to say that there will be discussions in the parliament and you should read the yearbook, but talking about Latvian foreign policy last year, I believe, well, I'm very fond of the idea that uh, last year was a year of, a, of stress tests and here I mean not uh, psychological stress, meaning nervousness. I, I'm using it in terms of physics, engineering, uh, IT, where it is a test for the stability and the resilience of the system. So what breaks, what doesn't break, where there are hang-ups. And I think that last year was very significant for Latvia in this year with COVID and this uh, huge repatriation operation, uh, this information, also the agreement on multi-annual budget where our Prime Minister with our diplomats demonstrated high-class uh, mediation capacities. I think we have stood this test uh, in flying colors and as my parents used to say, you should always be up to the task and speaking about last year, I think Latvian foreign policy has been up to the task. Thank you. Thank you. Great, Gulunda. The spirit that you mentioned will be discussed further on in this discussion. But let us move on. Imant, in your article you have described 2020 on the background of three variables, COVID-19, pandemics, visit of Emmanuel Macron and Donald Trump, but in 2021 a new variable comes into play, the new US President Joe Biden. Please uh, tell us, how do you see this year and this tr transition? Well, I would say that the transition looks uh, quite positive. I wanted to say that looking back last year and then uh, the question is how our foreign policy has coped with uh, the black swan the unexpected occurrence and it is no secret that uh, this um, occurrence was uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic as the minister already mentioned it uh, meant that uh, last year was practically an empty year in diplomacy, but at the same time, it is clear that uh, this pandemic has had an impact on diplomacy, both in terms of content and form. Speaking about the form, at the end of my diplomatic career, undoubtedly the uh, methods of diplomacy have completely changed. During the first uh, half year it was already very much visible, so some things uh, needed to be finished. And if we look at the content, then of course there was an impact on uh, both security issues, 
in the context of NATO and also on EU affairs. If we look at uh, NATO, then uh, last year there was a large exercise planned entitled Defend Europe and uh, instead of uh, 20,000 US soldiers only uh, 6,000 US soldiers took part in the exercise and it was uh, rather significant consequences because it was not possible to test uh, very important uh, principles regarding military mobility namely the transfer of uh, US forces from the United States of America over to Europe how to ensure movement of those forces in the EU and this was transferred of course to this year and it will be one of the challenges uh, of the biggest challenges this year I mean how to strengthen NATO presence and especially looking at uh, how to test it during a period of crisis secondly as we have already heard there was a big challenge to agree both on the EU multi-annual budget and also on the recovery fund which was new due to the pandemic and uh, I must say that uh, there was a rather big success as Gunda already mentioned our Prime Minister demonstrated excellent diplomatic capacities regarding the multi-annual budget on uh, issues regarding values and justice in member states and therefore I would like to say that last year our foreign policy was uh, both it was uh, stable and at the same time flexible because uh, we stood the test that came along with the black swan and uh, also we could react swiftly to some events um, especially as it was already mentioned uh, in relation to this uh, repatriation if we are looking at this year then uh, definitely the issue regarding the pandemic has not disappeared today the heads of uh, EU member states are discussing issues related to the production and supplies of vaccines to the member states uh, there is an issue on the um, vaccination pass and of course it also is related to the uh, free movement both um, beyond the external EU borders and internally between EU member states and as we could see there could have been uh, security repercussions in case for instance um, in case of conflict there was uh, a military movement was made impossible due to the closure of borders 
undoubtedly we need to make good use of uh, the means of uh, the recovery fund. It is extremely important to define our priorities internally. It will be a wonderful opportunity to introduce structural changes and reforms. And we need to remember that uh, the EU rules state that there should be both a green component and also a digital component. So here we see great opportunities. But at the same time, it will be important to look at the country as a whole and not at each sector individually. Talking about uh, the role of Latvian challenges, here undoubtedly in the context of EU, the uh, Franco-German driving force is very important. Uh, we have traditionally in our foreign policy given preference to Germany, but now after the visit of President Macron in uh, Lithuania and Latvia, we have an opportunity to foster closer cooperation uh, between the Baltic states and France. And I would even say to try to forge cooperation between the Baltic states, France and Germany collectively. Before I close, I would like to say that uh, perhaps we are not yet in the shelter, as the minister said in his interview in October, but we are still in barricades, in a sense that uh, we have barricades virtually meaning that uh, there is NATO presence with tanks, with Air Force units and uh, missions in the airspace, but um, taking that into consideration, I'm positive about uh, Latvia's opportunities in uh, terms of international affairs this year. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Dimant. Una, as you can see, we are gradually moving to you, if I may say so. How does this EU foreign policy, this uh, transatlantic relations, the new US administration, the Latvian foreign policy in this direction, how does it look from the point of view of China? Coming back to your first question about what it means for Latvia, I would like to start with good news, then add some regrets and end on an optimistic final note. At the end of 2019, we all heard and also expressed doubt that Russia and China could use the COVID-19 crisis in order to approach each other and mutually strengthen their agendas, their narratives, including also here at the Baltic Sea. But looking back at this year, we see that it has not come true. Both of these actors have moved along separate ways. 
more or less. Another fear did not materialize that we were talking about a year ago, namely that China would grow with its soft power globally and in our region due to COVID. Surveys show that um, China has lost some of its appeal uh, rather than gains. So this black swan has not been successful for China. And now about the regrets. The minister said, and he has written in his article, that um, Latvia sees the potential to continue to improve the effectiveness of the EU by engaging and strengthening the organization in terms of uh, the Union of Values and Justice. And it is clear that uh, the China direction is one of the opportunities to do so, to improve the effectiveness of the bloc. Unfortunately, due to COVID, uh, the planned 27 plus 1 summit did not take place, and that should have been a demonstration of EU unity vis-à-vis -vis China. Also, the comparatively good news at the end of last year namely the signature of the Comprehensive Trade Agreement with China, actually is still not significant news, because we still don't uh, understand how, how much, how realistic it will be to fulfill the requirements set by the EU to China. It is about equal opportunities of uh, EU companies in China, and also about forced transfer of technologies. Even though we are not very deeply economically involved with China, in reality, the outcomes of these agreements will have an impact on Latvia. But as I already said, my final note is going to be optimistic. The direction set by Latvia in 2020 in terms of strengthening relations with Asian and Pacific countries on the whole can be supported. Also, the balance of Latvia as to which issues should be dealt with in the context of the EU and, uh, and, and which bilaterally can be supported. Of course, uh, within the EU context, the strategic partnership with ASEAN is an opportunity also for Latvia, but of course, without the element of naive economic hopes that uh, motivated us in uh, the period after 2010. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ona. Probably very many of the ideas that have been voiced will be discussed again as we come back to them. But now let's go back to our experts. This year, we in the Latvian Institute of Foreign Affairs have made a little experiment and we tried to include also a chapter of you from the side. At the moment, in the yearbook, you will find two articles evaluating the regional context and transatlantic relations. And one of these authors, our ally and colleague, from the United States, Professor Daniel Hamilton also took part in the yearbook and he has a message for us. Clearly the biggest challenge we have is how we lead our societies and our economies from sickness to health. That's our common challenge, it's a global challenge. It's not gonna happen unless the transatlantic community comes together to mobilize uh, against the pandemic and to restart our economies. So the kind of partnership we need is one that will work together to enhance our prosperity, to protect our societies, to advance our values, and to forge global coalitions to take on global challenges. In 
in terms of what that might mean for Latvia, I hesitate to give advice, but I think Americans would welcome Latvian contributions that make Latvia a strong voice for a more capable, outward-looking, Atlanticist Europe that can be America's counterpart on a whole range of challenges and not get distracted by those who say Europe should build itself as a counterweight to America. We are deeply intertwined with each other. The idea that we somehow can break away and go our own way is an illusion uh, on both sides of the Atlantic. Only together are we gonna have the leverage to protect our values and to advance our interests. I think in the region itself, in the Baltic region, Latvia has already shown it is a strong voice for these principles. And I would hope that we come together again and pay attention to how to create a more stable and prosperous Baltic Sea region, how we can deal together with the challenges to democracy we see in your neighbor Belarus, uh, the ongoing challenges in Ukraine, and simply the vast eastern spaces of Europe uh, beyond the EU and NATO that are still violent, turbulent, uh, and uh, people don't know where their future lies. We need to reestablish our partnership to address those issues with those people. Uh, in, in previous administrations, we had something called the Northern European Initiative or Nordic Baltic uh, US Initiative. Uh, I used to call it the eight plus one. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a way we can engage together on these common issues. I would hope we will come back again to initiatives like that and point them to the future because uh, Latvia has always shown it's a strong partner for the US and I hope the United States has shown that in its better moments uh, for Latvia. I realize, you know, a place like uh, the Spratly Islands in Asia or Asia Pacific or, you know, issues in the Middle East might seem very distant sometimes maybe for people in Latvia, uh, but they're, you know, very present uh, in terms of how it affects our values and our interests together. Uh, it's not about um, the United States pivoting away from Europe. It's about how Europe and the United States need to deal with some common challenges. China, for instance, is already a power in Europe. It's not far away, it's right there. Uh, and many of the principles it espouses are not ones that align with our principles of human rights and democracy. Uh, there are challenges in the Middle East that are directly important to Europe in terms of its energy resources, in terms of migration flows, in terms of you know, violence, uh, and affects all the region and can spill over, as you see in recent years, into Europe. Uh, Europe's not going to deal with that well on its own. It's only engaged with the United States will it have a chance to uh, address some of those issues. So the U.S. wants a partner. Uh, that's what it's looking for. Uh, it, but that means Europe has to step up and be a more capable partner uh, and get rid of rhetoric like strategic autonomy and focus on capabilities uh, and partnership. I think that would be a better tone uh, for our relationship. Well, as we heard, Professor outlined very many points that have already been mentioned and that we can discuss more in depth right now. Coming back to the transatlantic relations, the new U.S. Uh, U administration, Gunda, 
Please tell us, uh, what is your assessment? To what extent will the U.S. be able to regain their reputation internationally? And also, how do these uh, many internal political problems that the U.S. is facing can influence the ability of cooperation between Europe and America? Yes, uh, thank you for the question. Unfortunately, due to some technical glitches, we, the panelists, could not hear what Dan was saying. But before I give my answer, I'd like to say that I highly respect him. During my Fulbright period, I have had an opportunity to work at his institute. And uh, I'd like to voice my appreciation that you have found a way to cooperate with Dan. I have heard him also in your podcasts, and I think this is great. Speaking about the United States of America, you know, I don't think that uh, the international prestige of the U.S. Uh, has, uh, say, significantly suffered. I really don't think so, because, you know, there is a, it comes more from, uh, from the realm of uh, public relations and marketing. There is a notion of reputation and reputation management, and uh, it is a widely known truth that uh, regarding those persons, those organizations, and here we can refer it uh, also to states, those states whose reputation has been forged as very strong and high in some more critical or more unfortunate moments, so if some new challenges and problems arise, it has not suffered that much. We have things to talk about, to discuss, but I really don't think that the U.S. would have um, any problems related to their prestige. And that uh, internal problems have swollen. That is, of course, not a secret. Also, the minister pointed this out um, in his introductory speech in this discussion. There is one thing I wanted to say regarding this, and that applies not only to the U.S., but we can attribute this also to ourselves, and it can be applied also to other EU members. It is highly important not only to try to model the future and uh, guess what will follow in 2021 or during the uh, upcoming Biden administration, but it is highly important to assess what has happened. And talking about internal political problems, then uh, from the point of view of policy making and foreign policy making, it would be extremely important to understand what has happened and why. Uh, this is a very important thing. And also, speaking about the US, I'd like to say that I'm honestly not a fan of drama, well, maybe only in art and music, but uh, speaking in terms of assessing politics, international politics, I'm more fond of a pragmatic assessment and less emotions. There I see a lot of emotions now, both on uh, the part of those who supported one candidate as well as on the other side, but uh, there is one danger. When there are too many emotions, and I believe now regarding the Biden administration, there are extremely high hopes, maybe even excessively, and many people are overwhelmed with this euphoria. But there is also another grain of truth. So very high hopes often lead to a big disappointment, and thus I'd like to say that, and Mr. Call mentioned the tide. I think the tide has to pass a bit, and uh, we have to look realistically. But to give a short answer, First of all, I really don't think the issue of prestige would be extremely problematic at the moment, and uh, internal political issues can be solved if you understand what has caused them. Many thanks. 
Mr. Liedis. Professor Hamilton speaks quite skeptically about the concept of strategic autonomy of the EU. Of course, it is a rather broad concept, but if we narrowed it and uh, looked only at the security environment of the EU with the new initiatives by President Macron with the potential cooperation formats of the Baltic Sea region, what will the EU security environment look like in 2021? Are we going to live more securely here in Europe? Iman, please. I think that uh, hopefully we will continue to live in a secure environment. At least we can say so regarding the NATO states. But yes, on the strategic autonomy, I think it is interesting to observe how Germany is looking at this issue. And uh, in particular, that the German defense minister has uh, rather clearly rejected the chance to develop this idea further. And uh, we have seen that from the German side there has been a rather cautious attitude to this autonomy. And uh, I believe for Europe it is important to concentrate not so much on such concepts than on uh, the strengthening of capabilities. Because here we speak uh, both about uh, budgetary issues within NATO and uh, the related demands from the United States will not decrease by all means uh, regardless of the change in the administration these are permanent demands from the US and they are justified aren't they we are in the leading position as the minister already pointed out this year our defense budget is going to be 2.3% from the GDP and this is high right and uh, and therefore, it is uh, very important to try to increase also the capabilities of uh, European partners and their financial support for defense. And here, Germany has sinned. Hopefully, we will be able, together with our European allies, to help persuade Germany both uh, to allocate more financing to the uh, defense sector and uh, not to shy away from uh, getting involved in the EU and NATO policy of uh, defense and security where um, we have seen a rather big caution from Germany. And I still remember the um, famous quote by former Polish uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs um, that he, and here I paraphrase, that he was rather afraid of German non-activity, namely that uh, Germany is not, was not going to act rather than uh, that Germany will act. And we have to urge Germany to act and to perhaps use this uh, current beneficial period in uh, relations with France in order to 
urge this year when the Chancellor is going to change in Germany to engage more in the making of uh, policy of security and defense, but forgetting about the issue on some kind of European strategic autonomy. Thank you. Thank you. We are rapidly moving ahead and running out of time. Una, we will turn to China right away, but before that, uh, we have asked the authors of the yearbook to evaluate Latvian foreign policy in different areas. And, uh, and here you should see this graph. Uh, this, the assessment of the authors of the approach of Latvia to the Middle East and the approach in relations to China, including the 17 plus 1 format, has been rather poor. After that, uh, the Latvian application to the UN has been assessed very positively. The role of Latvia in strengthening transatlantic relations and security issues has been assessed positively. But, uh, Una, perhaps taking into consideration this graph, this medium-low score given by our experts regarding our approach to China and the region of Asia, could you tell us, please, what should we take into consideration in 2021 when forging these relations? And uh, also, I will add a question that we have received from the audience. To what extent uh, should or will Latvia take into account the human rights aspect in relations with China? A rather broad question, but I'm sure that you will be able to answer it. Please, Una. I will start with human rights. We need to hold uh, to uphold the common EU position. We should not be at the silent end of the table, but definitely, and here I must refer to the wording used by Mr. Coles, we are pragmatic, but we should not forget our values. In this respect, uh, there is nothing new to invent for us. We need to carry the common position of Europe, of Brussels, yes. Coming back to 2021 and the policy of Latvia, probably we must realize one thing, that in 2021, China is going to become even more self-confident, and I'd like to look at it from three interrelated aspects. First that we will perhaps lose this uh, sense of the uniqueness of China that has uh, so far, both in the national and supranational level, blended the waters to some extent. And I'd like to say a few words about ideological innovations of China, what comes out of it, and thirdly about um, a few considerations for Latvia also taking into account the time constraints. What is interesting, the policy of China shows that uh, development theories are indeed truthful and the uniqueness, the argument of the unique path of China slowly goes away. China has always challenged development theories. For instance, privatization has been regarded as the cornerstone of development. China has grown without privatization. Now China is getting on the path of privatization. Trustworthy and uh, and open institutions are believed to be a cornerstone for development. China has followed its development path and reached economic results without any trustworthy institutions. Now China is trying to deal with that, trying to find some uh, kind of a balance between uh, um, a closed type of system and the trustworthiness of institutions. And thus we, we see that the development path is actually not as unique as we all have thought. Secondly, at the beginning of the second COVID year, it is interesting to look at Chinese ideological innovations. First, we see that uh, China 
emphasizes bilateralism and uh, not any kind of bilateralism but bilateralism vis-a-vis superpowers and it says it boldly and precisely in the concepts of Xi Jinping and uh, this may seem really bad for Latvia because these bilateral relations are always asymmetrical with China but in reality it has led to the opposite effect and it will also lead further because as Gunda already mentioned the demand for a common position has grown both in the context of NATO and the EU and uh, this is good news for us thus on the one hand the surge of China to have bilateral relations with superpowers has led to a response in the West saying oh we need to consolidate our opinions and this is also a unifying element in the uh, new NATO 2030 analysis and recommendations written by a reflection group set up by Secretary General of NATO. Namely that China is a unifying factor. What, what do we do with China? Referring to what Gunda said, it is not only in the context of NATO, but also outside NATO, let us mention Australia. And now back to Latvia. And uh, here I'd like to refer a bit to my article in our yearbook should we be worried that uh, in this world where China is getting more self-confident, where some kind of lines of affiliation are drawn more strongly, should we be worried that China could harm us if we do something that China does not like? And by the way, also coming back to the issue of human rights. And uh, is our unambiguous transatlanticism a reason for China to exert some economic pressure on us and somehow to punish us? I believe no, because it is exactly our unambiguous position that has always been known to China, and therefore we should not break our principles and we don't have to try to balance. It is absolutely clear what we belong to, and this, in this respect the election of Joe Biden is a good news for us, and therefore the only problem that such an external actor can create is the promotion, the use of uh, mutual competition between the Baltic states, like saying, if you don't do as we want, then we will go to your neighbors. And here, coming back to what Mr. Lienje said, I'd like to say that the unity of the Baltic states is also a cornerstone of our stability. In fact, we strengthen each other internationally. A very simple example, France is getting reproached that it has remained one-to-one uh, -one with uh, problems in, uh, in Mali for instance, that uh, there are human victims. And uh, who do they mention? They, they are saying uh, we are supported by Estonians, we are supported by the Baltic states. Thus, through the Baltic states, they believe in solidarity, a wider solidarity. The same goes for the position of Lithuania vis-a-vis -vis Belarus. Again, a common Baltic stand where we amplify each other's position. So uh, these are the points that... Uh, I wanted to, to raise on the common subject of China 2021 and the response of Latvia. Thank you. Thanks. We also have questions on the lessons learned by Latvia from the conflict in Nagorno-Karabakh on the role of Russia after the upcoming elections in Russia at the end of at the second half of this year on economic aspects and uh, Latvian economic diplomacy. Perhaps keeping in mind these questions, I would like to ask uh, Mr. Liegis to sum up, uh, Mr. Lewis, what do you think, what would be the main foreign policy objective for Latvia in 2021 and what, uh, with what instruments could we achieve this objective? Well, the main objective in my opinion would be stability to maintain 
our allied forces here on the ground and to promote ensure military presence to renew uh, sorry please please go on renew the transatlantic bond even though on the one hand uh, one can perhaps say that during uh, the period of Donald Trump on the practical level we had it even better than during uh, President Obama's administration and um, I think as I already mentioned we should try to strengthen our relationship re relations with France considering the undoubted leading role of uh, President Macron in Europe at the moment and uh, the fact that we had his visit in September last year that um, in a couple of days we will celebrate the centenary of our the jury recognition it is an opportunity to strengthen the relations of the Baltic states with France in order to influence and to raise our influence in the European Union undoubtedly using the uh, so-called Franco-German engine thanks a lot there is another picture I'd like to draw your attention to every year we are making a cloud of words with our visitors but this year this cloud has been created um, based on the opinions of our authors and experts and uh, we can see that the biggest accent is on what should on what should be considered next year is uh, transatlantic relations security china canada disinformation gunda in your opinion what would be this objective of 2021 and an additional small question relating to the latvian application to the UN Security Council. What tasks should Latvia accomplish regarding this, please? Yes, thank you. I will not name specific tasks because I'm fond of uh, systemic thinking. Uh, we are a small country. Many people tend to criticize this uh, thesis, but uh, this is how it is. As a small country, we need to be aware of our opportunities and also our limitations and also the golden card that is always worth betting on, namely international justice, multilateralism, to some extent what Dimans just mentioned about strengthening cooperation and ties. This is what makes us secure. This is a guarantee to our welfare, growth, our national interests. Therefore, talking about upcoming year or years, I'd like to say that we need to take care of this international justice or the rule of law as a value and of cooperation with our partners, close ties and very trusted ties with our partners, both here at home and internationally. Which also means that our task is, of course, to be watchdogs to some extent and uh, also to follow international events also in this area to, to, to see where the bonds of multilateralism are getting weaker or where international justice is threatened. This is 
this is our task, including in our own interest. And if I started my intervention by mentioning the stress test, then I'd say that also next year, knowing all the benefits that all our services and foreign policy capacities can provide in a critical situation, we need to continue to build on this capacity, both intellectually and operationally. We must be what is called a small dynamic nation, because this is the, the genre how we can act best in the international arena. We shouldn't be afraid to become aware of all threats, both in the region and the EU as a whole and internationally. We must be aware of them, but we shouldn't be afraid of them either. Because if we are well prepared, then we can respond to very different challenges. On the UN Security Council, it is an extremely ambitious goal. It uh, links to a great extent to what I said before, that is justice, multilateralism, very high level, new type of forging uh, contacts and ties. Of course, it's a much greater involvement in global processes, including development cooperation. So these are the tasks for the next year on the road um, towards being a candidate uh, and hopefully election to the UN Security Council, the status of a non-permanent member. But it should be also said, and the Foreign Service has never kept it silent, with this candidature, we have uh, never ceased to remind that uh, the composition of the UN Security Council and this whole principle is outdated because the world has changed very much since 1945 and thus we we must try to talk in parallel to this process about reforming the UN Security Council. There are many different ways how to do that. I think we could devote a whole discussion to this subject, but it's a very complex task. Yes, thank you. Many thanks to you, Gunda Imand Ona, for your contribution to today's discussion, for your contribution to the yearbook. Thank you very much to our distinguished audience. Unfortunately, the time allocated to this discussion is up. But please familiarize yourself with the articles, the yearbook, and read more broader analysis about many more themes which are more important for the foreign policy of Latvia. Thank you to all our many authors, our supporters, once again, to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Republic of Latvia, the Simon the Friedrich Hebert Foundation. Thank you also to Delphi for making this discussion available to all of you. Please follow our activities. Our work does not stop here. And we are always available to you and ready for discussion. See you soon, online or hopefully face-to-face. -face. Goodbye.